0: So, kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Yeah, still, 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 Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right. now.
1: <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star in the second installment of our August of Americana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Series. We had good feedback on our Uncle Tupelo episode, and uh, Chris, I know you and I had fun recording that one, and we both thought it turned out pretty well.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, we didn't prep, at least I didn't, and I don't know, I felt all all we were doing was just, we weren't giving anything historical for the most part, just talking music, Um, just talking about the songs we like, and so I was like, I don't know, is this really going over well? And I I, I listened, and I thought it turned out pretty well.
1: I did too. have gotten good response. I meant to tell you last night, I've got a, uh, couple of messages from, um, some Crows fans that said they'd never heard of Uncle Tupelo and they've gone out and, and bought some of the stuff and really enjoying it. So, um, it's always good to spread, spread the word there. Um, let's see here. So this is week number two and what, well, like we said last time, we're going to talk about kind of the second wave, uh, of the no depression movement and, uh, Uh, Our guest here is also going to point out that we uh, had a misstep last week on something, and we'll let him get to that uh, first off. But you'll remember uh, our guest, Dean Gavney, he did a a Drive-By Truckers episode with me, and then he and I broke down Exile on Main Street uh, track by track, which was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, One of my favorite albums, and I never get tired of talking about it. So uh, welcome back to the show, Dean Gavney.
0: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.
1: So, Dean... um, uh, quarantine is going on. everybody's having to stay inside uh I know you're like you're a music nut like me. what you've been listening to lately
0: I've been listening to some of these bands to uh kind of get ready for this going back and revisiting some things um I've been doing that been listening to a lot. I heard you guys talk about it last week. Um, the country West record, which I like a lot and um and I've been spending time with sugar. Going back to those records, I just got a couple of them on vinyl and and have been enjoying that again. So, Chris, that's, that's man, I, I
2: was I was just, I was just running to the first record just the other day, and it's like, man, is, is this is this not Bob Mold, possibly, possibly his best record? I mean, it, it's up there. It's great stuff.
1: Absolutely. When you said sugar, Chris's eyes lit up. Like <laughs> yeah, a, I'm
2: like sitting here writing, and it like, I hear sugar, like.
1: Like a like a fat person at the Pizza Hut buffet <laughs> anyway, well that's cool um yeah, there's a lot of good music out that country western's album is uh that's that's in that's in the running for top five right now um what how did you they're kind of in the in the drive by truckers community somewhat aren't they a I, little bit so
0: um so Joe Plunkett had a band called the Waits. And they put out a fantastic record called "Our Men" in two thousand and nine. Um, definitely worth checking it out if you guys haven't heard it. Um, and it kind of it got a lot of um, it got a lot of plays on our uh, Drive By Truckers forum, which is now three times down. Used to be nine bullets. I'm not sure when when that occurred, but um, um, it got a lot of play then. So when I heard that Joe Plunkett had something new. Um, I wanted to hear and it's it's really good I, I really enjoy it definitely in my top five as well
2: yeah i gotta be honest i haven't heard that the the way that i've read about it and i was familiar with him when i found out that he had played with um gentleman jesse and i, I love those i don't know how many records gentleman jesse did but that that first i guess it was the first one gentleman jesse and his men if you haven't heard that excellent excellent record i mean almost like uh i don't know i mean almost like it's very popish. almost like Almost like the Lemonheads, I would say, with a little bit more of a, you know, Southern Twang to it.
0: I had not heard it until I heard you guys talking about it last week. I'm, I will definitely check it out. But, yeah, um, really good record.
1: All right, so like I said, this week uh, is the second installment of our uh, August of Americana uh, series, and what we're going to talk about this week is kind of the second wave of uh, kind of the No Depression movement. What can, what came after? uncle tupelo but chris and i made a little bit of a misstep uh last week and, and dean pointed that out to me and i was aware of it when we were doing it but I, I i still went ahead with it um we talked about uncle tupelo kind of being the first but the jayhawks technically come a couple of years before uncle tupelo um uh, 85 or 86 am i right
0: dean yeah i think they formed in, in 86 in Minneapolis. Or it, eighty five and the first record was in eighty six. But, um,
1: but it wasn't until Hollywood Town Hall in ninety two that they were really on the map. Is that right?
0: They were they got a lot of buzz with Blue Earth. And um Blue Earth is um has two songs in common with Hollywood Town Hall. Uh Martin's song and um and uh Two Angels. Mm-hmm. And it's their early versions of those, of those songs, and um, they re-recorded them for Hollywood at Town Hall, which are much more fleshed-out versions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I happen to like the version of Two Angels, um, maybe a little bit better on Blue Earth, but that's when I heard of them, was in '89. I had a lot of friends up in Minneapolis, and um, they were starting to get known in that scene and they were friends with the design guys and and were part of that so
1: all right so let's talk about them um since since uh we brought them up first i've always like listened to them very passively like if they came on uh, i didn't change the channel um they are very much part of the Black Crows Universe, uh, they were on Deaf American for Hollywood Town Hall. George Triculius, who did the first two Crows Mm -hmm. records, did it. Um, When the Crows went out on their their biggest tour they ever had in 93, the Jayhawks opened, and then when Gary and Mark got back together, they asked Chris to produce that album. So on the Black Crows forums, they're always mentioned. And, you know, I would listen to his couple of songs I really like. But about two weeks ago when we were preparing for this, I sunk myself into them, specifically hollywood town hall and tomorrow the green grass and um i've started listening to the other ones and man i have i've have fallen in love with this band chris just like i fell in love with the cure earlier this year I'm, I'm spending lots of money on the jayhawks
2: well that's two times then two times this year and you know i don't i'll be honest my uh just the, the two records you you name those are the only ones i'm really familiar with and david we've talked about this before my um Diversifying with music came at a much younger age than you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we talked about that. And I bought uh, Tomorrow the Green Grass when I was in high school. I bought a copy of it, so I've had it since it came out. Um, so I always loved that record. I, I guess I'm more going to be more drawn to that than I am Hollywood Town Hall, just because that was the one that I first listened to. And uh, I mean, the song "I'd Run Away." I just uh, that's what I think that's what hooked me in when I was a kid. But um, I, I didn't go a whole lot deeper than those two records. So I'm probably going to have to kind of turn this of more discussion a little bit more over to you guys. But I did love that record.
1: Dean, what are your thoughts on the Jayhawks?
0: Well, that's a great record. I, I go back and forth whether that's my favorite or, um, or Hollywood Town Hall. They're, but they're two birds of a feather. So um, when David asked me which one should he get, I said Hollywood Town Hall. They're, they're similar records. They've got a similar sound. They're the, the pairing of Olsen and Loris, which existed for the first four records, and then one record in 2011. Yeah, Mockingbird Yeah, when they got back together. And um, the interesting thing, when I heard you guys talking about Uncle Tupelo last week, there's some real parallels between those two bands um, at first the Jayhawks were Mark Olson's band he wrote all the songs um, he did uh, he did all of the uh, all of the writing was the main singer sang almost all the songs um, Live, they do a couple covers that Gary Loris would sing but it was Mark Olson's band and then Blue Earth came. And that's when they started, when Loris had a couple of songs on Blue Earth. And then by the time of Hollywood Town Hall, it was almost an even split. And the same thing with Tomorrow the Green Grass. And then um, one album after that. And then Olsen was gone. So it, it became kind of a different thing. And Loris went off in a lot of the same directions that Jeff Tweedy went off then. More, more pop oriented, more Beatles influenced, and and I found that kind of interesting, especially going back and listening to some of these records. Yeah, there's some
1: definite parallels to the two albums that came after uh, Tomorrow the Greengrass with like Summer Teeth, I think. Definitely. Um, a little, a little more poppy, and they uh, they're still around, but Mark Olsen is not in the band anymore. But um, after those two albums, like we said, they got away from kind of the alt country. Americana type music and went more pop. And they've they've gone back and forth from what I can tell from listening. It looks like they're a little bit more back on the the alt-country realm right now with uh, their last couple of albums.
0: Well, I think this XOXO has still a lot of the Beatles stuff going on. Um, But uh, there's definitely an alt-country thing going on there too. Um, Loris is always going to bring that because he he definitely brings that forward, but he also has the big star Beatles, that type of stuff going on too. Um, but when they, um, when they, when Olsen first left and they went ahead and they did uh smile and um, the other one is escaping my memory at the moment, sound of lies um, though. I think 97 and 2000, respectively. those were real pop records. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't care for them at the time. It took me a while. And just because it kind of went in this completely different direction, the, the the harmonies I didn't think were as strong. And then they went ahead and they did um, uh, Rainy Day Music in 2003, which definitely put them back to those old country roots. My favorite on that one is called uh, From Tampa to Tulsa, and that's by the drummer that does that one. So... Um, it's amazing that they've been around for 30 plus years
1: now. All right. So the, the, the Jayhawks are still around, still putting out good music and, um, check, check those guys out if you haven't. All right. So when uncle Tupelo broke up, two bands came out of it, Sunvolt and Wilco. And there were a lot of people that, uh, went one way or the other and, and they didn't cross back to the other one. And then there were a few people, uh, like me and, uh, and Chris and, and I think you Dean that, um, that liked that liked both. So Chris, when who do you think won first out of the gate, Sunvolt or Wilco?
2: Sunvolt, the- hands down. And I think that uh, you know, I do think that they they probably. I would think that the, the the people that were listening to Uncle Tupelo at the time, I would say they. My guess, anyway, is that they probably both bands were able to keep the fan base. I, w- I would think because, even though Wilco branched out a lot, it wasn't. It wasn't a leap, you know, when they the first couple of records, it really wasn't. Um, Maybe a little bit more going into the pop, but I don't think it was quite a leap, you know. And yeah, Ferrari kept it, like we said, that was that was a fifth Uncle Tupelo record without Jay Tweedy. Let's just call it what it was, but it had more success. Yeah, I remember Drown was on MTV heavy rotation, heavy rotation on radio. Uh, so I would say he definitely out of the gates, he had more success. Um, had a nice career. Really had a nice career. Put out a lot of really, really, really good records. Um, but you know, with Wilco, they've been kind of the little indie darlings. They've, uh, as especially as Jeff has gotten more experimental, um, you know. And I and I like both bands. Uh, we've we've talked about it, you know, a, a lot on here. That yeah, I don't really, I don't really like what what Wilco's doing on the last several records um i've kind of i gotta be honest I, i quit buying them um doesn't mean they can't do a couple of good songs here and there but for the for most part i don't really i don't i don't dig the records whereas i loved everything they did through really sky blue sky blue sky sky blue sky everything through there i really liked but
1: sunvolt they've never lost me Dean, what do you think? Who won
0: Coming Out of the Gate on that first album? Coming Out of the Gate was Sunvolt, no question. Um, I didn't even care for AM very much at the time. Um, And Traces is is an amazing record. It's maybe, certainly top ten of all time for me. It's just an amazing record. And um, what I found interesting, though, and, and just to kind of jump a little bit ahead, is I think that I think that Sunvolt got the early start, and then Wilco jumped ahead. But when I look back at the careers, it's Sunbolt without question. I don't even think it's close. I I think I'm with you, Chris. I think that uh, Sky Blue Sky is probably the last Wilco record that I really enjoyed. There here and there after that kind of like star wars a little bit but um i don't love it and when i go back and i look at the at the Sunbelt records there aren't any that i don't like there are some i like better than others but which is interesting that that one started great maybe took the back seat for a couple years and then had the better career
2: yeah and i don't I- The last Sunvolt record, to me, well, i got to be honest, was a disappointment. It's not terrible, but it was a disappointment for me. But the one before that, excellent, excellent record. I mean, excellent. Um, And and David knows this. American Central Dust is one of my favorite records they've ever put out. So I feel they still put out good albums. Um, But yeah, absolutely. They've had, for me, it's the career I like better. You know, that the Ferraris had but I'm more of a Ferrar fan. Well, You're up, David.
1: Well, I mean, I agree that the first, that first Sunvolt album, I mean, is just an absolute classic and it seemed to me that like AM may have been a little bit rushed um to get that out there, but then Being There, which was their second album, which was a double, was a du- technically was a double album. Um I thought it was really really strong and um but then I, Summer Teeth was actually my favorite Wilco album. And Mine too. I absolutely love Summer Teeth. And so I like, I'm, I agree with you guys. I think I started getting kind of leery of them on, uh, was it Wilco, the album? Um, yeah. Had, yeah. That's when I started getting kind of leery of them. But, Dean, you have a kind of a, a cool Wilco story. You were around for uh, a pretty cool happening one night in Chicago.
0: I saw a lot of early Wilco shows. Um, and I knew, uh, now Sue Tweedy, then Sue Miller, um, a little bit. And she owned a bar called Lounge Jacks in Chicago that I hung out at a lot. And it was a, um, it was a bar that had, uh, a lot of bands around that time coming out of Chicago. 11th Green Day would play there. Hoytog Pondering would play there. And then of course, Wilco started playing there and, and, um, one night, I don't even remember who was actually playing, but they brought out um, they brought out Tweedy and, and Jay Bennett at the end to play a couple of songs. And then Sue went around and went to the people who were kind of the regulars and said, um, everybody stick around. I'm going to close the doors, stick around. And she did. And... They went ahead and they played for about an hour and a half. They played everything that they knew, and they played covers. And it was, it's a top five concert experience of all time for me. They played some songs that that um, that were already uh, written for the next couple of albums, and for certainly for Summer Teeth. And it, it blew me away. Just standing six feet from the stage, and seeing that Jay Bennett, I love Jay Bennett. And that's part of why Wilco lost me later on, was that I, I just, Jay Bennett to me brought so much to that band. I agree
2: with that. I mean, I think that was, we talked about Sky Blue Sky being the last one we liked, but they were starting to go down, I believe after he was out of the band.
0: Yeah. And being there for me, maybe certainly have to do with that show. It's, it's a top 10 record for me as well. I, I love that record. Um, it was the first when I went back to vinyl. It was the first record I bought on vinyl um, back in like 2008, 2009, and it's it's fantastic. Well,
1: they uh, they definitely were the the kind of the media dar- not me- music media darlings. The, you know uh, there for a while, and of course um, everything that happened with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is uh, we can save that probably for another another podcast episode. So they both enjoyed uh, varying degrees of success at this, at that time. And just like everything, like with grunge or glam or, or disco or whatever, once something gets kind of hot, other people start looking for it. So uh, you can tell that, that other record labels were looking for bands that sounded kind of like them. and One of the ones that came out of that, I, I think, I don't have the timeline just right, but the Bottle Rockets, um, they, they came out... Toward the end of Uncle Tupelo, is that right, Dean? Ninety-two.
0: I I went and looked up some dates and and you know when people talk about the breakup of Uncle Tupelo, I almost think of the bottle rockets as coming out of that as well um, because Brian Henneman played with, with with Uncle Tupelo and was their guitar tech for some time and he he was still doing that for them while he had his band and he was playing in a side thing with with Jeff Tweedy between Uncle Tupelo tours, forget the name of that, but um, but I definitely think of the Bottle of Rockets as coming out of that. And so they formed in 92. Um, what I find interesting in these bands that we decided to talk about, and I didn't even realize it until um, I started looking at this, but um, so Sunvolt and Wilco, first records, 94. Bottle of Rockets, first record was 94. Um, Slabber Bones' first record was 94. 97's first record was 94. So, like you said, once something kind of gets going, it really gets going. Well, you know, in Hanneman, uh,
2: David, thats I think that's who you kept trying. We kept trying to think of his name last yeah. time. Yeah. played such heavy part and was involved with Anodyne and all that. Um, and I, you, you mentioned playing with Tweedy and that other, and I can't think of the name of it either. Are you talking about the one where he played with Dave Perner?
0: Um, no, that's Golden Smog, actually. Okay. This okay. was a different one. That 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 one's interesting because it, it encapsulates so many of the bands we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, so that, but that was a Minneapolis one. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. What are your thoughts on the Bottle Rockets? Uh,
2: you know, I, I've, I've listened to them, and I certainly don't dislike them. I don't. I don't have a whole lot to talk about on them, honestly. I mean, it's one I didn't. I've I've got to be honest. I'm. It's one. Of these one of the ones I'm gonna have to let you guys kind of talk on because I didn't do a lot of prep work. They, um, I guess they never hooked me. That's what I can say. I I don't dislike them. I don't think they. I don't hate it, but they just didn't hook me, and so I don't have enough to really comment about.
1: I'm them. in I'm in the same boat with you on them, um, and I'm in the same boat honestly with the old '97s, um, which uh, you know I know they both are. People say are incredible live acts. Uh, I've never actually seen them, but Dean, the Bottle Rockets. What's your what's your two cents on them?
0: I love their first couple of records. I really did. They they, um, I got into them around that same time too. Um, welfare music is just a and thousand dollar car on their first record, the Brooklyn Side, and I think that record is absolutely fantastic. Um, and they've kind of they. You know, they, they had The Brooklyn side was a decent seller, and it got a lot of radio play in Chicago, where I was living at the time, and then not so much after that. Warren Haynes produced a record for them a little bit later on, and they kept on putting, they still put out records. Um, they have a, a, a great record from a couple of years ago, and the name slips my mind, but it had a single called Dog, which you may have seen the video, um they had a bunch of celebrities and their dogs and it's a it's a nice song they've had a couple of other ones um but they certainly haven't had the career of some of these other bands that being said they do house shows and i would kill to have (laughs) play a show here that would that would be you know we bought this house so we could have house shows we've exactly had one so far will johnson so (laughs)
1: have my by Rockets here. Do, do you kind of rope them in the old 97s in together? I guess it's for both of you guys. They're both kind of uh, not quite as as serious of a band as like Sunvolt and, and Wilco, and they play this kind of, I don't know, at times kind of sped up hillbilly type slash punk music. Well,
2: I'll speak first. The old 97s, I mean, I think the sound, I think, is different, and The old 97s, when they started out trying to do more of the alt-country, it's not bad. They've got uh, Hitchhikes to Rome. It's got some good songs on it. But they also, I feel like, and and, uh, maybe Dean will kind of back me up on this, I I feel like they kind of, where Wilco started going more into that pop, especially with, uh, I guess, Summer Teeth is when it really first started happening. The old 97s did the same thing. When the old 97s, I almost feel like Satellite Rides is kind of like their summer teeth. And Satellite Rides came out in 2001. Phenomenal album. I mean, I love that thing beginning to end. Now, the other old 97 records, not bad. There's some good, there's some bad. But Satellite Rides is... That is a damn good record.
0: I would agree with you. I think the first... I like the first record a lot... The first record I liked, um, because it it reminded me of, of an earlier band that was a predecessor to all these bands that we're talking about, called Jason and the Scorchers. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Jason and the Scorchers were um, part of a cow, called cow punk movement, and Beat Farmers were another one, and they kind of predated all these bands by five, six, seven years, and. Um, but they were definitely country mixed with punk. And that first old 97's record has a lot of that. Um, and as then, then as they went on, they started to resemble the Replacements a little bit. And um, I love the Replacements. And, and when bands started trying to emulate the Replacements, they kind of lost me because I don't think you can. But um, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. There, but they certainly have had a couple of great albums. They're they're a great live band. They've they've opened up for Drive By Truckers a few times that I've seen them. Um, I've seen um, I, I've seen uh, uh, seen them play in Dallas with Slabberbone opening. Um, I saw them in Georgia once. So I I've enjoyed them live, but I can't say I spend a lot of time with the music.
2: Yeah, and and also too, I'll kind of. I know it's not so much alt country and all, but Rhett Miller, the uh, solo record he put out, two thousand six, "The Believer," that also very very good album. I don't, his, know, I don't know if you've heard that one, but I like that one a lot.
0: I have his his newest one is really good too. Came out a year or so ago, and I and the title's escaping me, but it, it's good. He um he recently got sober, and okay. with the help of Jason Isbell, and um. The new, uh, the new old '97 record reflects that. I haven't spent much time with it, so I can't talk about it intelligently. But um, it, his themes have changed in what he's talking about. They were a drinking band, absolutely, yeah. a big drinking band. Yeah, I'll, I'll be
2: curious. Well the, well, the new they've got a newest, the newest one. I don't think it's that uh, there's some tracks released. The newest one hasn't come out just yet, right? There's a, there's a brand new one coming out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's coming out, and there are several tracks released Okay, uh, I've heard a
2: couple of them
0: next week maybe not- well,
2: I'm, cu- I'm curious if he takes on kind of like um, like B- uh, BJ Barham of American Aquarium I mean it seems like, seems like almost every song he sings about is, is about sobriety now almost every single song
0: I hope not I know we're, <laughs> we're not going that far with this but I, I want to like American Aquarium and I can't. I try. My, I have lots of friends that are huge fans. Uh, you know, one of my best buddies had, uh, had BJ Barham come and play his daughter's wedding party. Um, and I respect him, but I can't say that I love him. So. Nothing
2: wrong with that. I, I'm a big fan, but uh, we'll get to them in an episode or two, right, David?
1: We'll talk yeah. to them. So, Yeah, they're right. they're, they're on the docket. Now, another band that Chris has recently gotten into is Slobberbone. Um, and, Dean, I know you're real familiar with them. Chris, what what are your thoughts on them?
2: Well, I think we talked about this a little. I, I, and, David, if I, I don't... No, I don't think I really talked about this on, on the podcast. We kept at all Uncle Tupelo. So, mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm not telling a story that I've told before. But I was aware of the name. And... I, uh, when I went to Philadelphia back in December, Dean, I went to go see the Misfits and, in, in uh, Philadelphia and my girlfriend and I, we were at a, uh, we had this little dive bar. And, um, if you see me looking down, I'm looking at the phone cause I'm gonna make sure I get the tracks right. But we, we hit it up off with these, these two guys that were, you know, around our age and they were these, they, they were these Boston guys and in, in for the show. And I, I figured they probably were because they put a misfit song, misfit song in the jukebox, and one of the guys and myself just kind of hijacked this jukebox, and we were just playing a bunch of punk stuff, bunch of just they had great taste in music, and he put on, he put on Slobberbone, and I remember I liked the song so much I saved them to my phone because like man I gotta go back, I gotta go back and listen to these guys, and one of them. I was trying to think, one of them that he played was uh, "Get Gone Again," oh, great. and yeah, and the other one was, uh, you know, I'm looking at this thing. You have to tell me how is, is it? I can't. I can tell your love is waning. Yep. So he played. So he played those two songs, and I'm like, "Dear God!" And Dean, you, I'm sure you can back me up on this. When you're sitting little dive bar pre-gaming for a show, these game these songs come on. Man, that 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 was just they had me hooked with those two songs. Those were drinking songs. And I went back after that and I started digging deeper and listening to their records. And it's a band that, uh, they somehow made it past me. I never gave them a chance, but really, really good band.
0: One of my all time favorites. Um, And I kind of got into them in a, in a a sort of strange roundabout way. I was aware of them. I heard and made me think of it last week when I heard you guys talking about No Depression. Um, I read, I was just starting to get back into some newer music in right around the turn of the century. And um, I read a, a write up in No Depression, and they're like, oh, well, you know, this is a great band. Picked it up. I picked up one of their records and I liked it. And I gave it some listening. And, um, spend a little bit of time with it, and then just kind of forgot about them. And then a couple of years later, um, into the truckers, Patterson Hood, um, for many, many years, did a year-end list of his favorite albums. And, and he listed um, Everything That Was Right Was Wrong Again as his favorite album of the year one year. And I'm like, oh, okay, blew me away just absolutely blew me away. And and, um, and like I went back and I started getting all, all the rest of them. But the, the album that I got was okay, but I didn't love it. I actually love all of them now. Um, but it was from a magazine. And they were kind of, they were called, I read it, and it's like all country stalwarts. I'm like, stalwarts? I, I don't, I've never heard of these guys before. And, uh, but they were well-known in the community. They were actually the truckers started out opening for them and ended up turning around and being the other way around. And, 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 um, I've seen them a ton. Um, I didn't see them in their original incarnation. Well, they didn't change members at that, at that point, but I didn't see them before they broke up the first time. Um, and then I went and I saw them, um, I saw them on a tour. Some buddies of mine and I went and we saw them in Chicago minneapolis and in green bay with in green bay jason isbell was the opener at a casino believe it or not and i got to be friends with brent best and brent's brent's a good friend to this day and and um just one of my absolute absolute favorites
2: yeah it's the but that it, with the song get gone again it's that album barrel chested that's the one that i love you know the um i love that record but uh yeah they like i said they just they it kind of miss me I, I, certain songs too like uh bear i, I think what I, I gravitated towards i'm like man this is kind of like they they remind me in a way they're kind of similar to the early those early lucero records and i think because they both have those gravelly type voices those whiskey soaked voices
0: without question i and and they predated lucero and i think lucero would tell you that they were an influence, and um, yeah, absolutely. I think for different subject matter. Whereas, um, whereas Ben Nichols writes about relationships and and everyday life. Um, you you nailed it with Slaverbone, They're drinking songs, and um, and quite often they'll prove that on stage too. Um, but uh, yeah, just one of my. One of my all-time favorite bands, I've seen them. We went and saw them. Um, they have a song that has the line Saturday the 12th of May. And a couple of years ago was Saturday the 12th of May. And they did a reunion show where the guitar player Jess Barr came. And uh, my wife and I went to Denton, Texas and, and saw them for that. So um, definitely a highlight. If they ever do go out and play, I suggest seeing them. Well,
2: yeah, I would love to see them. Um, I, I I definitely will be on, I have my eye out when they if, if they do more shows. Uh, and a buddy of mine, he listens to a lot of this kind of music. Like me, he knew the name. Completely unaware. And I don't know how this came up, but a uh, couple weeks ago, maybe it was something he sent me. I said it kind of compared to Slaughterbone, and I sent him Get Gone Again. And he replied and he went, Damn, that's a good song," <laughs> he said. "I've always heard of them. I didn't really know about them, but I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to them now. Yeah,
0: they're they're, they're great. You mentioned, um, I know your love is waning. Yeah, I don't know how after you hear that. I play it like over and over, and you just walk around singing. Got stuck behind a cattle truck, and all I smell is shit. And. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things that get stuck in your mind. And, um, yeah, it's just one of my favorites.
1: All right, so another band uh, that I thought could have been huge, but they self-destructed like a lot of people do, was uh, Whiskey Town, which was uh, Ryan Adams' first band. He and Caitlin Gary, I think, were the, the primary uh, songwriters in the band. Um, and I wasn't aware of them until Ryan Adams started to get up on my radar and then i went back and listened to them and they had three albums that uh, are really really good strangers almanac is just i think it's just a classic classic album um they brought the uh the fiddle the violin uh into play a lot with caitlin playing that and uh they had some great harmonies and they had uh, their music was pretty diverse they had some really fast you know uh songs and then some really uh, good country numbers and some some mid tempo stuff um, when I think about them I always go back to stranger's Almanac uh, houses on the hill uh, you know in town uh, if he can't have you just a great great songs and of course Ron Adams came out of that and he went on to have the the career that he's had so uh, Chris we'll start off with you first what are your thoughts on whiskey town I'm like
2: you I didn't discover them until I discovered ryan Adams and I um you know, a lot of times I almost feel I'm almost more drawn to Whiskey Town than I am solo Ron Adams. And so I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, Jacksonville City Nights is like the, one of the, my favorite Ron Adams records because it's, it's basically it sounds just like a Whiskey Town record. And um, I love all three of these, all three of the records. You know, I'm looking at them now. Sometimes I forget the songs, but, uh, I mean, let's not, let's not forget how good just the first one is, Faithless Street. And that's one where it has a lot of slobber bone type, you know, down and out you know, drinking songs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those on there, you yeah. know, Faithless Street. Um, and then, of course, I just drank like a river. Uh, yeah, excuse me while I break my own heart. I mean, that's a great one. You go to pneumonia, Jacksonville Skyline. I mean, there's so many good ones. Sit and listen to the rain. I mean, great one. Uh, yeah, I love all these records, um, and I think that I, I love what say her name is. it case Caitlin Carey, is that it? Is it Caitlin Carey? Or Caitlin Gary. Gary. Mm-hmm. So, I I love what she added. Um, love it. Love the harmonizing. But uh, yeah, really, really good records. Really, really good band. That really, uh, and maybe Dean can told me that they were a much bigger household name, but. I don't feel like, I feel like most people weren't really aware of them. And it seems like uh, because of his success, a lot of people have gone back. And I I, I bet you, I bet you over half the crowd, is that a, was that the, when Ron Adams before all the stuff happened and he was having these big shows, I bet you more than half the crowd didn't even know of Whiskey Town. Just my guess.
0: Probably not. Um, in this period, I, I had a period in my life where I didn't, I didn't listen to a lot of new music and they were one of the first ones um, I mentioned Cyberbone a minute ago but they were one of the first ones that I did start listening to again and um, Faithless Street like you said is a great album I, I go back and forth between that and um, and Stranger's Almanac with 16 Days is an absolute beast mm-hmm. that song is is great and I think um, I think you're right they, they were people knew them they had some radio play um I don't think anybody really expected Ryan Adams to be a breakout star out of that, um, despite him being the songwriter. But, of course, he was. And um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That That's the style of his music that I like the most. Um, and a lot of people, I've, I've discussed it with some people recently, I think Caitlyn Carey was... One of my problems sometimes with Brian Adams was that he needed an editor, and she was she acted almost as that editor. She she sort of balanced him in, in such a way that kept it real. And um, uh, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it.
1: So, are, are we kind of in agreement that *Strangers Almanac* their best album, or do you guys disagree?
0: Hey, it can go either way. I could go with *Faithless Street*. I I, I've been thinking of that the last couple of days, and I, I can't come up with an answer.
2: I don't know. I, I might, I might lean Faithless Street, but I, I, I don't, I don't know, David. I, I'm the same way. Flip, flip a coin. They're, They're both great.
1: Y'all, guys, were talking about uh, drinking songs, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. They had a song on an it's on an album. I'm pulling it up to make sure I got it. Um, called Straight Out of Boone County. It's a, a compilation album, and it's a song called Bottom of the Glass. Uh, which is really really good. It almost sounds like it could be like an old school, almost like Hank Williams type song um, that definitely fits in the uh, the no depression um, n- in the no depression genre. Yeah, they just they were just a great great band. I would actually like to see if maybe part of his rehab process that he has to go through is if he got back with her and they did like a uh, an acoustic duo tour.
2: That would actually be really cool. I mean, that could be a, a way. Of kind of reemerging himself with uh, what he went through,
0: from people that I know that were closer to that than than me, um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but I would, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. But again, I, I he's such a talent, and I I had a on and off again thing with with Ryan Adams music is. I do think he always needed an editor and I think he could be his own worst enemy long before the tabloid stuff. And, um, uh, but that stuff is, that's as good as it gets in this genre that we're talking about.
1: I I agree. All right. So uh, I think the last band we have on the docket here, unless I've overlooked somebody would be the drive by truckers. Uh, which came out of this and their their first album, Dean. What was uh, the first album? Was it ninety six, ninety seven,
0: ninety eight? Um, they formed in ninety six. Um, so actually, their of of the bands we're talking about, they were the latest chronologically. Although I'm trying to, th- I don't know that I remember the years of Whiskey but they're among the latest chronologically. And um, the first album was Pizza Deliverance. All right. So, Gangsta, sorry, what terrible mistake? Gangster Billy was first.
1: I, I tell you what, one of the things that drew me to them when I when I I heard about them when Decoration Day came out, and uh, I went back. And I, bought, I went and bought it without hearing them because it just, so many people recommended Decoration Day, and I remember seeing uh, Pizza Deliverance and Gangsta Billy, and I was like, "Is this a, is this a serious band? Like, is what what is this? You know." And sometimes I kind of feel like those first two album titles may have uh, may have hurt them uh, commercially. What, what do you think, Dean?
0: Yeah, and I think they'd probably tell you the same thing. if it, it was, but. I think then people would look at at the titles of the songs and think that they weren't serious songwriters. And that was a mistake. Like I read one review from back in the day, um, saying calling the living Bubba a a knee slapper. Nobody could ever uh, tell me that the living Bubba is a knee slapper. That's one of the most poignant songs. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. And, um, so, yeah, I, I think so. And those covers, which were pre West Freed, um, were, you know, they gave a certain impression. And they were doing a different thing at the beginning than um, Patterson just did a show, um, a live streaming show of those songs. And actually, the Pizza Deliverance songs were first, but Gangster Billy came out first. So, yeah. Um, but he did like an Origins show and revisited a lot of those songs.
1: Now, Chris, I know you're kind of a, a casual, at best, Drive-By Truckers fan, but uh, I do know that you and I both share a love for the night Gigi Allen came to town.
2: Well, it's just hilarious, you know? Um, especially when he's talking about the old couple reading the paper. Right. You know? uh, I mean, it's just, that, that's just really funny. And, and the, what's so funny about it, too, is... You know, it was a little bit before my time but I'm still aware of that show because I know I've, I've, talked to people who were at that show. And so the fact that a song, you know, they made a song about this, <laughs> something that really that happened. And of course it happened all across the country. Gigi doing those shows, but still that he's singing about one that, you know, pretty famous in the wrong kind of way show at the, you know, now closed antenna club in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, but yeah, and, and you're right. I'm, I'm just casual. I, they're one of those ones that I like a lot of stuff. I don't – I would never say I dislike them. And, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, David, but I saw them probably before you ever got into them. Uh, like, so what, what year would you say when you first started listening to them? 02, 03? Okay. I don't think we ever even talked about this, but back um, – this was probably the summer of 03 Mud Island Amphitheater started doing these five-dollar shows during the summer. They only lasted one summer because they probably lost a, a lot of money doing it. But they were doing five-dollar shows, and every one of them had at least one, usually two or three, somewhat you know, name, you know, fairly big name acts. You know, it had, and they weren't like superstars at the time. They may have been past superstars. For example, like Blues Traveler. I think, played one time. Well, they were the uh, next to last one night. I went to a few of those shows, and that, I had heard the name. But I, was, I, I saw them, let's say, about 03. And I remember they were really good. But uh, So, yeah, I like them. Don't love them. And it's like I've talked about with like Jason Isbell. If somebody's playing a Jason Isbell record, I'm never going to tell you to turn it off because I'm not going to just start hating it it's fine. It's good music, but it's nothing that I'm going to be drawn to, to go just listen to on my own a lot.
1: Well, Dean, uh, obviously if, if people listen to the podcast know that you have a, uh, very, you're very, very fond of the band. Um, that episode you and I did with, uh, Anthony Whitehead, uh, people really, really enjoyed it. Um, I find them just a fascinating case study almost in, in, in music because some of their songs, if you take them at face value, you may have a different impression of them than, than what they you know really are they're they're great storytellers and they're great at telling stories from a third person perspective um and patterson to me is one of the great storytelling songwriters of of all time i mean you know he he got he got a lot of mileage out of that lady that shot her her husband that was the pastor you know and he takes all of these kind of uh southern southern stories and, and turns them into great songs but uh, you obviously, uh, are, are very, very plugged in to that whole scene. Um, for people that aren't familiar with them, kind of just tell them why, why they're such a special band for you.
0: Um, so I mean, they just, they literally changed my life. So that, that has an awful lot to do with it. But, um, I got into them with, uh, also with decoration day. um, I had people had tried to, tried to get me into Southern rock opera. I didn't, didn't really listen. And then Decoration Day, somebody came and they brought me a copy. They gave it to me and said, you have to listen to this. And, and I listened, and I got into a couple of songs right away. Marry Me, uh, the Great Cooley song. Um, I got into it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is like the stone. I love this. And um, But it wasn't until I went and saw them live And I I mentioned briefly a minute ago, The Living Bubba. They got into um, about four four or five songs into it. And they played The Living Bubba. And it's, I can't die now because I got another show to do. And it's about a a musician that Patterson knew um, playing out of Atlanta. And he worked sound for him um, named Gregory Dean Smalley, who was dying of AIDS. And as he was dying, he tried to play as many shows as he could. And this song, it just it's it just spoke to me in so many ways. Um, not knowing anybody that had personally that had died of AIDS, but people that have fought battles to try to survive and, and everything else. And I was just I was basically like, Oh my, what what is this we have here? And that drew me in and I couldn't I I just listened to everything I could get a hold of. And of course, their shows are on archive.org. They have a lot of, uh, you know, they've always allowed tapers. So there are a lot of shows out there and, um, and got into them. And starting in about 2005, I used to go see them any chance I got. If they were within six hours, I went and saw them. And um, that was, so I, I saw them all over the Midwest. I saw them in Detroit, St. Louis, Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Bloomington, Indiana, you name it. And I I just started going to as many shows as I could. i met just so many friends, including the band, who are friends of mine. Um, so as I'm sitting here gushing on them, I can't say that I'm not biased because they are my friends. And um, I met my wife through the band. But they, um, I think you hit it a minute ago, is that they tell such great stories. And Patterson and Cooley tell them from two separate angles. They're stories of of the everyman, kind of. They're, you know, um, st- stories like putting people on the moon about this guy kind of on the fringes of life who just wants to support his wife, whether it's dealing drugs or working at the Walmart or whatever he has to do, he's going to do it. Um, and then Cooley will write a song like Marry Me, which is full of these one-liners that you can't imagine anybody else writing them. And, of course, Jason Isbell had had his contributions as well.
1: Could you have ever thought, when you picked up Decoration Day and listened to it, that the guy that wrote a lot of that and sang a lot of that, Patterson Hood, was going to officiate your wedding with your wife?
0: <laughs> I, I Absolutely, I, I would not have known that. In fact, at the time... My wife asked me to, she says, what do you think about Patterson doing the wedding? And, and I didn't know him as well as she did at the time. And we've since become good friends. But uh, no, I never would have guessed that in a million years. But I um, I listened to them so much for a while as I was going to all these shows that my friends actually did an intervention one day and said, you know, there is other music <laughs> besides by truckers. And they're probably one of about... Four or five bands that I've ever done that with: The Stones, The Replacements, The Truckers, um, a couple others.
1: Well, and 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 to close on them, where as we talked about some of these other bands having uh, periods of creativity and then kind of you know hitting kind of a down a downside, they're a band that's honestly just they keep getting better and better. Um, you know, American Band was I think I think's their best album they ever put out.
0: I, I would agree with that. I go back and forth and, and the Unraveling, the album they put out this year is awfully good. Um, they hit their groove when, um, you know, they went through, they've been through a lot of lineups. They brought in Jay Gonzalez on, on Keys in 2008 and um, when Shauna Tucker left the band on bass um, in 2011, they brought in Matt Patton from the Dexatines. And um, these guys... They, they generally like each other and they like playing together and they just sound so good playing together that, that, yeah, I, I think that they're playing some of these shows they were doing right before the apocalypse hit were some of the best that I heard. So they, they've had a nice long career and I, I anticipate they're going to keep going because these guys are great songwriters. Well, Chris, is, have we left anybody out? Um, you know, there's
2: probably several that we've left out, which, by the way, some of drive by truckers. I will say the song, like, what I, the stuff I do know and I'll marry me might be, I mean, it's up there. You mentioned a few times. That's probably, like, in at least top five of the songs for me that they've done. I love that
1: song.
0: It's, it's a great song.
1: Um, um, yeah, Cooley, Cooley can channel Keith Richards at times. Yes, he can.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's some bands that that i that i think that you know but, but i just don't know anything about so it probably wouldn't be worth bringing bringing up um but i think these are the big ones now i know one david that we haven't talked about and you, and you may be saving this one um probably know what i'm talking about
1: you can go ahead and tell people
2: well i mean we're, we're not going to say anything yeah. just yet but i'm just saying I, I didn't know if you were trying to just hold off on but you know, i think blue mountain was a pretty important band and the uh, early formation of these, yeah, you know, and, and like we said, you know, um, Dean mentioned Jason and the Scorchers, but really this, this goes back further than that. I mean, that we, and I talked about it a little bit last week, you got to look to bands like, like the, the Flying Burrito Brothers. But, um, you know, when it really started catching on, which we call it like a, with Uncle Tupelo, that's when things really started. I know Blue Mountain was an important part of that as well. So I know we didn't really talk much about them, and like I said, there's a lot of other bands, but um, and a lot of them are kind of bordering on this. Like we, like when did Drop by Travis? When did they start? Like first album? What year?
0: First album was '98.
2: So yeah, I mean, technically we're getting kind of close to to Lucero days on that too. But we're gonna we're gonna hold Lucero to kind of the onward, you know, in, into the future.
1: Yeah, Blue Mountain. That the first Blue Mountain album is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Recently during the quarantine, I got in touch with Carrie and bought a, uh, bought it on vinyl and it just brings back so many good memories. And, you know, they got that amazing review in Rolling Stone magazine. And, uh, you know, they were, they were the Hilltops originally. And John left and went to uncle Tupelo and then Carrie and Laurie went ahead with blue mountain. And I mean, I put that blue mountain especially the first one, but I like all of them. But the first one I put up there with, with, Whis- the Whiskey Town, any Whiskey Town albums, uh, any Sunfold albums, uh, man, it did not have a stinker on it, and that album hit. It hit a lot of different types of music. Uh, Dean, what are your thoughts on Blue Mountain?
0: I love Blue Mountain. I came to them really late, and 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 then I've, I've got to talk about my wife's involvement with them. Is I came to them late, probably two thousand and five. Um, Actually, one of my best friends played them at a... We were sitting around planning a funeral, and he put on Blue Mountain. It's, it just sticks with me. And um, I, they, I'm like, how did I miss this? And that was when they were broken up. He was playing me live at Shuba's record, Shuba's being one of my favorite old-time bars in Chicago. I saw so many bands there. And um, yeah... I don't think there's a bad song on any of their albums. They're they're great. And um, Carrie's been doing a lot of live streams, and, and I like to see him. But my wife, my wife knows them going back, and this will tie into the truckers just a little bit, and and tie into Uncle Tupelo. My wife goes way back with them. She lived, she did, was in grad school um, in Oxford in 1990, and she would Laurie Strode was her roommate. And, um, and Carrie Hudson lived next door with John Stewart. And so she went to, she would get in the back of the van with them and go to gigs, um, where they would open up for Uncle Tupelo. And so that, that was all part of that. And she was there when Carrie and Laurie said they were moving to LA and forming Blue Mountain. So, um, and I didn't know this until our first date. When she took me to Laurie Stewart's uh, Cajun restaurant in Oxford, and Carrie was there. They had just like started talking about reforming Blue Mountain again, and he was playing on the patio. And my wife's like, Oh yeah, this is my friend and, and all that. And I'm like, Oh my God. And we've known them a couple years at this point. Um but so they go right back into that and also the other band that, that used to play that same circuit um in Memphis and, and down south was Adam's House Cat, which predated Drive By Truckers. And my wife talking to Patterson, she knows for sure that she either saw Adam's House Cat opening up for the Hilltops or Uncle Tuplo or some variety where maybe all three of them were on the band, but she just can't she's never been able to narrow it down. But Probably at the Satellite Club. Or the Antenna Club, excuse me. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're a great band, too. And when I was talking about 1994, almost all of those bands started in 94.
1: I think that's when Dog Days came out.
0: Yeah. It's amazing when I looked this up. Wilco, Sunville, uh Bottle Rocket's first record was 94. Uh Wilco Sunvolt, slobber bone old 97s blue Mountain all 94
1: was a fruitful year
0: yes it was
1: was a very fruitful year well um Dean uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here uh, you've been uh, you've been you've imparted some words of wisdom to us uh, as always I was telling uh, I was telling Chris before uh, I was texting before we started I said yeah he's like Matt Penfield jr. He uh, he knows everything about music, so uh, uh, appreciate your insight. You know, you're always welcome to come on whenever, whenever you want to, and maybe we can do one in person sometime if once the COVID passes.
0: For sure, always a pleasure, David, and nice to meet you, Chris. Hey, likewise, good to meet you too. And uh, Chris kind of
1: hinted at it, but uh, we're going to have an interview next week with uh, one of the uh, singer of one of the bands we just talked about. So uh, thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next time.